From Washington, D.C., across the nation and around the world, stand by for an overview of the hottest topics and people being discussed on air, online, at the coffee shop and across the backyard fence, powered by the research of Talkers magazine, The National Conversation. It's time for the Michael Harrison Wrap. Here's Michael Harrison. Thank you, Victoria Jones. Monday, August 15th through Friday, August 19th, 2022. It was a week of politics, crime, politics, war, politics, health, politics, economics, politics, race relations, politics, climate change, and politics. Get ready for a powerful hour of Black Belt Talk Radio, during which your tolerance for hearing different but legitimate points of view will be tested. We've got lefties, we've got righties, and we've got fence-sitters. Please don't get angry. Just listen closely and while doing so, maintain a degree of educated skepticism, regardless of whether or not you agree. We'll be joined by Kevin Casey at Talkers with a countdown of the 10 biggest topics of the week. Todd Feinberg in Hartford, Pat Fant in Houston, Chris X also in Houston, Dr. Dahlia Wax in Las Vegas, and Claire Carter in New York City. Influential yappers from across the country with microphones, smartphones, and digital recording devices sharing their observations and the feelings of their target constituents with whom they do a daily dance of affirmation in a fragmented, noisy world where we try to avoid the modern-day syndrome of seeking victory at the expense of truth. Welcome to the Michael Harrison Wrap, heard coast to coast and around the world on great radio stations across the U.S. and the U.K. The past week's hottest political and social topics discussed in the American talk media. Information is gathered from a variety of sources, including data tracked by the broadcasting trade publication Talkers Magazine, of which I'm editor and publisher. This weekend's installment of the Michael Harrison Wrap is partially sponsored by the new Gun Hill Road song titled Idiots. Check it out for free on YouTube. Click on idiotsvideo.com. Idiotsvideo.com. Okay, here we go. Joining us now is Kevin Casey, executive editor of Talkers Magazine. Kevin, give us a rundown of the 10 most talked about stories on talk shows in America this past week. Thank you, Michael. At number 10 this week, abortion. A number of civil rights-oriented issues continue to be on the talkers' top 10 topics list, and abortion remains a significant part of the national conversation. Since the Supreme Court overturned Roe v. Wade and threw it back to the states, it's erupted into 50 different sets of debates across the nation. At number nine, immigration. Problems continue to grow for the southern border states, and obviously they are impacting the entire nation. Texas Governor Greg Abbott began busing illegal migrants to New York City, catching Mayor Eric Adams off guard. Since President Biden took office, nearly 4.9 million illegal aliens have crossed U.S. borders. At number eight, race relations. The teaching of critical race theory, although no longer a front-page story, remains a controversial issue at school board meetings across the nation. On the health front, a CDC analysis shows that 94% of monkeypox cases were among men who had recent sexual or close intimate contact with another man, and 54% of these cases were among black Americans and Latinos. More on monkeypox later in the program. At number seven, climate change. Extreme weather continues to wreak havoc across the nation and around the world. The Northeast is now under extreme drought conditions following a historic mega drought in the West. Experts say climate change is reaching unprecedented levels worldwide. 
According to a survey from the Pew Research Center, a majority of Americans, 71%, said their local community has endured at least one of five forms of extreme weather over the last year. Heat, flooding, drought, wildfires, or rising sea levels. Interestingly, respondents included Republicans as well as Democrats. Meantime, experts are trying to figure out what impact the new climate, tax, and health law will actually have on the environment, if any. At number six, Russia-Ukraine war and foreign affairs. Both sides are continuing continuing to blame each other for the dangerous shelling of the large nuclear power plant located in southern Ukraine. And the war slogs on, with terrible casualties being suffered by Russia and Ukraine, with Russia encountering far more problems than originally anticipated. Meantime, the leaders of China and Russia announced they will attend the Group of 20 summit in Bali in November. Xi Jinping and Vladimir Putin have declared a no-limits partnership, as spiraling global tensions from the war seemingly have pushed the countries closer. At number five, crime and guns. Well, what else is new? The crime stats in our nation's urban centers continue to soar. So much for the wisdom of police defunding. Add to that the growing blight of homelessness in our city streets, parks, and public transportation centers, which further compounds the problem. At number four, the CDC statement, COVID-19 and monkeypox. The director of the CDC, Dr. Rochelle Walensky, announced a shakeup of the organization this week, saying it fell short responding to COVID-19 and needs to become more nimble. The planned changes are being called a reset, coming amid growing criticism of the agency's response to COVID-19 and monkeypox. Meantime, COVID-19 and monkeypox remain hot items in the national conversation as a new variant of the coronavirus is making the rounds and reported cases of monkeypox continue to grow. At number three, the economy and the electric cars tax incentive. The economy is difficult to analyze with mixed messages coming from the various indicators usually used to indicate such situations as recession, inflation, employment stats, and the health of the stock market. The new climate tax and health law signed by President Biden extends a credit for electric vehicle buyers, but there are numerous complications that require serious study before running off and buying a vehicle. At number two, the FBI raid aftermath, Trump's legal issues, and the investigation of Rudy Giuliani. The raid on Mar-a-Lago has triggered an intense war of words between what's often referred to as MAGA media and the mainstream media. It truly is as if we Americans live in completely alternate universes. Much of the conversation toward the second half of the week swirled around a Florida federal judge ruling that portions of the affidavit underpinning the FBI search would likely be made public, despite objections from the Justice Department. And at number one this week, Liz Cheney's primary loss tied with partisan politics and elections. Although Liz Cheney's resounding defeat in the Wyoming primary was highly anticipated and hardly a surprise, it dominated conversation in the talk show world and gave Donald Trump and his closest allies something to crow about. But though she's down, she's hardly out. Cheney now has a huge constituency among Democrats, although she's far too conservative to actually be a Democrat, and she is the darling of the mainstream media. But how she'll leverage that going forward in terms of her political career remains to be seen. Because as of now, she is a high-profile, controversial politician without a political party. We sure do live in crazy, crazy, crazy times. Crazy, 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 crazy. Thank you, Kevin Casey from Talkers Magazine. You're plugged into the Michael Harrison rap. Let's kick off the interview section of the show with an excerpt from a conversation I had this week as a regular guest on my colleague Todd Feinberg's afternoon show on our affiliate in Hartford, Connecticut, WTIC. I think everybody has a sense of these being incredible times. And I hear people on the, on the radio and TV 
talking as if there's first unprecedented what's going on right now and that we're headed for some kind of radical split a la civil war what's your thought on that i certainly hope not uh that would be that would be a truly sad thing now i don't know where the line is between lots of violence and lots of outbreaks and lots of riots and police activity and and you know uh, civic strife and civil war civil war means a whole bunch of states get together and they proclaim that they are you know seceding from the union and they have their own president and you know that's a pretty pretty dramatic thing especially in the as i recall during the civil war era they didn't have netflix and and uh grubhub no so they, they weren't sitting home as comfortably and happily entertained could you imagine communicating these concepts across a country without the internet, without talk radio, without telephones? Yeah. I mean, it, it, it's almost like another planet. It's hard to it's hard to even imagine how that worked. But uh, no, I do not think that we're going to have a civil war. What I uh, what I fear is that we'll have violence, eruptions, and and discord on a level that many people will call a civil war. Um, but 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 actually armies, you know, in battlefields and shooting mm -hmm. each other. No, I don't think that'll happen. I don't think either side wants to leave America. I think each side in this battle doesn't want to put up with the other side's interpretation of what America should be. That's the point at which we're, we are. And I think that the kind of people that would be incited to violence are not indicative of anywhere near a majority, not even a large minority of the population. That being said, it can be very dangerous. It is funny, though, what you're saying, because there are large numbers of the population who, and, and I think there's a great deal of resonance for any political figure who says we should all get along. And can't you guys work together down there in Washington? That's what people want. Well, some people are working together. I mean, there are things going on. A lot of the problem is the media that just plays into this so that it can stoke excitement, drama, ratings, clicks, eyeballs, eardrums. You, you don't see on the streets of America the kind of discord, the kind of right. hostility. That even we had in the 60s. Even we had in the 60s. Exactly. I, I mean, a lot of listeners right now, you know, we're not around in the 60s, but, uh, you know, remember the old hard hats versus the hippies? And they would be screaming, you know, sessions on the streets of big cities and beer cans being thrown at each other. Yeah, there was a big cultural divide through, yeah. uh, based on class, I guess, is what you're describing. But yeah. there was also that that fringe of the the education crowd, the college crowd. Who were who had declared war against the United States and its institutions? Right. Many of those, many of those uh, of that crowd are now um, the exact opposite of what you would expect a hippie to be. Mm -hmm. They 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 are conservatives. They're very very straight. They're very very um, uh, Republican. And they were the they were the uh, kids that were in the. Um, the uh, the hippie organizations I'm who were blanking. pushing the envelope of radicalism of, radicalism, of challenging yeah. the the sovereignty of the United States government. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So um, take in uh, Minnesota, um, former Senator Norm Coleman, mm -hmm. um, straight shoot, short, straight shooter, short hair, buttoned up tie jacket, conservative right wing. He's a guy that ran against Al Franken. Lost. Uh, that's um, how lost. where he lost well, his seat, right? 
Uh, Students for a Democratic Society was a hippie radical group back in the college when I was a student back in mm-hmm. uh, Hofstra. And um, Norm Coleman was the leader of that group. Come he was on, the really? And he had hair down to his shoulders. He was the hippiest hippie I've ever seen in college. And I go, that's the same guy? And I, I bet you everybody from those days has stories like that, um, where people have, have gone through radical changes and have gone from one side to the other. A lot of it has to do with your own personal journey and your maturation in life. But back to the Civil War issue. Mm-hmm. I do not think we're going to have a civil war, but I do think that, that we are facing a, a very troubling time. And I I wish that people put more thought into their opinions, more... more um, I don't know. Just just brought more to the table in terms of yeah. Wisdom had more and conversations with yeah, people who don't exactly. agree with them and stuff like that. Yeah. We're talking to well, Michael Harrison from Talkers Magazine. It is uh, it is disturbing that we feel that level of tension because I think it's systemic. If you could tweak a few mechanisms inside of our government that tend to force people to the outside instead of letting them run up the middle, that that we'd be a lot more comfortable with our politics. Mm. Well, how do you feel about it? I mean, how, how do you see this whole situation in terms of the fear of violence, um, you know, festering? There are and, moments and... where I, I fear it, but in general, I don't think that's where we're headed because the solutions are so simple. But that doesn't mean we could get to them. For example, the um, if we had a system where states would simply dole out congressional districts based on natural features of uh, proximity and geography rather than focused on how you can manipulate the districts to get the most republicans or democrats depending on which party controls the state mm-hmm. then you wouldn't have then you wouldn't have safe seats the problem with safe seats is they lead to unsafe incumbents facing challenges from their own party, the radical extremes. So that forces the incumbents to represent the extremes of their parties. And that simple structural change, I think, would make a huge difference if we didn't have party uh, one side controlling most districts uh, fairly clearly. And then they would have to compete closer to the center instead of on the outside. Yeah, gerrymandering has been a problem going all the way back to the beginning of the republic. And when it's done in a mean-spirited, dishonest way, uh, then it, it really can be quite devastating. Well, they're right. They're quite honest about it now. They just do it exactly to benefit their side, whoever, whichever state is controlled by which party. Do you think politics is dirtier today, or do you think we're just more open, honest, and aware of it? I think we know a lot more, but I also think there's something missing in today's politicians, and that is an imperative to feel a commitment to the survival of our system and to honor its intentions. And because that isn't that isn't bubbling up in the bottom of, of most political figures' souls anymore because it's not reinforced in the marketplace, that we've lost our mooring a little bit and, and it feels more crazy. Crazy, 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 crazy. That's an excerpt from a conversation I had earlier this week as a guest on Todd Feinberg's afternoon show on our Hartford, Connecticut affiliate, WTIC. Coming up next, a visit with back-to-back outspoken conservatives in Houston, Texas. You're plugged into the Michael Harrison rap.
Do you sometimes get the feeling that our society is being overrun by idiots? Do all the stupid, dumb things people say and do make you crazy, 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 crazy? If so, the new song and video by Gun Hill Road is for you. Idiots walk among us. They're lazy, lazy, lazy. Idiots talk among us. Their speech is often hazy. Idiots talk among us. Never ceases to amaze me. Idiots talk among us. Tries me crazy, crazy, crazy. Crazy, 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 crazy. It's called Idiots. Check out the video. It's free. Idiotsvideo.com. That's idiotsvideo.com. That's idiotsvideo.com. Continuing now with the Michael Harrison rap. As we say at the beginning of the show, we've got lefties, righties, and fence-sitters, while the next two guests from the Lone Star State are clearly neither lefties nor fence-sitters. Let's head over to the great city of Houston, Texas, and check in with legendary broadcaster and member of the Texas Radio Hall of Fame, Pat Fant. Pat has a provocative and entertaining short-form podcast titled The Otis Advisory, featuring the wisdom and wit of his alter ego, Uncle Otis. This character, Uncle Otis, that you do deals in um, a little bit of satire, a little sarcasm. In other words, Mm -hmm. you do political humor. Uh, As a guy that goes back to the days of George Carlin and and, and the the gigantitude, if you will, of political humor um, back in that era, what's your assessment of the state of political humor today in the age of wokeness and political correctness? You know, it's coming back. I mean, the political humor that you see and you run into is uh, not as uncommon as it has been in some some periods. Uh, It's not the same as when Carlin and these guys did it. But, you know, now, Michael, really, it's it's like things are more serious. It's kind of like somebody left America outside in a hot car with the windows all rolled up, and look at us. We're waiting for the November jaws of life to come pull us out of this wreck, and and I hope it happens because, we, you know, things have never been this sideways, I don't think. What is the view of America from Texas? You're, you're based in, in Texas. That's uh, where you've uh, spent a lot of your life. Um, I believe you're in Houston. Um, yes. So, yes. So, so, you know, we hear about Texas and uh, we hear about Greg Abbott and the busing of migrants to Washington and all kinds of things. What's the general view of the United States of America from the perspective of being a lifelong Texan who's in the media and politically savvy? Well, you know, when when you when you can't convince people to to think the way you do, you can't convince voters, you just bring in new ones. So. What we what we see is happening is that they're bringing in a replacement population, so they're importing Democrat voters by the by the riverful and the busload, and it just goes on and on. And finally, they said, "Well, let's send these buses, you know, to some of our neighbors in uh, the north, and let's see what they." It's North America, you know, it's all the same. Mm-hmm. Let's send it up there. So then people go, well, wait, you can't 
you can't do that. What are you doing? We, you know, we don't have any room for these people. Oh, like we do. Mm-hmm. It's, uh, it's just crazy, really. And the, then, yeah, there is, know. there is, there is a disconnect. I, I have found traveling around the country and talking to people that uh, the view from the border states of the immigration crisis is very different than it is as you get further from the border. But it does oh, impact; it, it impacts the whole country. So it's kind of a kind of a smart move on the part of Abbott to make his point, don't you think? Well, it is, and uh, you know what they don't know, Michael is the cowboy code. And if you just follow the cowboy code, life is good. If it's not yours, don't take it. And if it's not true, don't say it. If it's not right, don't do it. What's wrong with that? That's so you ask about Texas and you know where do we see all this? You know, we we thought we were going to make millions in this bitcoin game thing. And that didn't happen. So we started taking on these think tank assignments for a little extra cash. And, you know, figure, hey, we'll think about anything for a price, $99 and up. So we spend a lot of time working on this. Like, I mean, Liz Cheney, my goodness, she's so unhappy and just sad all the time. Why is that lady so sad? She has this fear of orange, you know, and it's it's... <laughs> I mean, it's like a panic attack. If you put Liz Cheney in a prison jumpsuit, it's orange. Get it off me. What? You know, (laughs) she would melt. (laughs) Would melt. And she goes, well, I mean, she's like threat to our democracy, girl. What is your view of uh, Trump's uh, future as a potential candidate in 2024, you know, amidst all of the, the issues swirling around him? Uh, when compared to, say, Ron DeSantis um, or even Mike Pence? Well, if you realize that Trump might be a little piggish about things, but the way he runs the business of America can't really be beat. Well, hasn't hasn't been beat in recent times. And if you want uh, a paycheck... Instead of a government check, you have a lot better chance to get that when Trump is in town. And you're going to have to get past the rest of it when he is probably too outspoken, won't take criticism, uh, won't apologize if he's done something wrong. And, oh, he would get so, so much further if he would just say, yeah, you know, maybe I shouldn't have said that. I didn't mean that. But, man, the way he runs the business of America, giving people a real shot, true equality, uh, if not, we're going to all wind up, Michael, weighing 90 pounds, and that's a new version of equity that I don't want to think about. Mm-hmm. So, so uh, more specifically, uh, you, you've cited some of the things that he does to hold himself back. But what about the fact that people say Ron DeSantis has all of Trump's policies, but none, none of the baggage? Uh, do you think that there's truth to that? And do you think that DeSantis has a chance? Oh, there is. There is. Really, I would be such a great supporter of either one. They both have the same uh, love of America and love of freedom. And that's all we really want is freedom. And on the other side, we risk losing it very quickly. 
And we've never been in this kind of situation before. That's Texas radio legend Pat Fant, a.k.a. Uncle Otis. You can hear the Otis Advisory at podjockey.com. You're plugged into the Michael Harrison rap. Okay, let's stay in Houston and on the right side of the aisle. Joining us now is one of the city's leading talk show hosts heard late afternoons on AM 700 KSEV, the voice of Texas. His name is Chris X. So, Chris, what's the view from Houston, Texas, of this crazy world in which we live? I know that's a broad strokes question, but, um, hey, I'll throw you a softball. (laughs) I don't know how soft that ball is, but uh, um, it's kind of crazy here in what I call the Biden hole. You know, the... The last four years before this, so, you know, I, I made the joke that I'd actually heard on social media. We called it the Trump apocalypse because every day was the end of the world, according to the lamestream media, as I call them, the, the propaganda apparatus of the Democrat cult. But then all of a sudden, you know, we transitioned over this new thing where everything costs more. There's inflation. There's a recession. There's redefinitions of words. And everything is now worse, yet they're trying to convince us it's better. So when we say it's crazy, it's really crazy. And then when you work your way down south where, you know, we're in Houston down here in an oil town and you've got all the new green energy stuff coming in. So that's kind of a crazy uh, icing on the cake, if you will. But then there's we have lots of illegal immigration in our area. Now, every city in America is a border city now, but we're you know almost the front line. We're one of the human smuggling uh, corridors of the world because they come straight up through our city as they go through everywhere else. And with, we're looking at, what, 4 million illegal immigrants coming in so far in the first 18 months of the Biden hole, if you will. It's, it's crazy times. Needless to say, there's not any near amount of things to run out of talk about. That's for sure. Now, you mentioned the lame stream media, which uh, more um, than likely people call it today the, the the fake news. I think it was Sarah Palin who started that term, and she's back on the scene. What are your thoughts about her prospects for returning to prominence in the uh, politi- on the political stage? Well, it's very interesting um, watching her come back. First of all, yeah, I like Sarah. I like what she stands for, a lot of what she did. I know she brings a little baggage back from the McCain era. Uh, nonetheless, I think she's going to do okay. It's going to be interesting to see how this pans out coming up in November with her and the two other opponents. You know, it's the one other Republican, and then they've got the Democrat. So it's going to be very interesting to see how that kind of pans out. It's funny you mentioned the fake news. Uh, Donald Trump really popularized that theme. And it, what's funny was I originally, because I'll play the audio clip on my program, actually, Democrat pollster Patrick Cadell was the one who called the, the news the enemy of the American people when they they won't report on what you should hear, but what they believe you should hear. And then they choose what they should or should not do. So he was the one who kind of started it. And then Trump really popularized it. And you're absolutely right. It was you know, Sarah Palin early on. And I, honestly, looking back, she was the only thing that I really liked about the McCain uh, you know, candidacy. And now you look back, she's still around. Clearly McCain's no longer with us, but he left the American people a big thumbs down and stuck us all with Obamacare. So if, if anything was to come from that era, I would rather have Sarah than anything tied to McCain at this point. Well, the GOP is certainly reflective of uh, what Sarah brought to the table. And um, uh, I think the uh, the fact that it's a new day in the Republican Party, whether, whether people like it or not, it is a new day. Um, much of that could be attributed to at least as an example of what happened in Wyoming. 
Wyoming with uh, with Liz Cheney losing significantly to a Trump-backed, um, you know, candidate. Uh, his takeover of the Republican Party is um, is complete. There, there, there are very, you know, there's Mitt Romney still around, but but most of uh, his opponents are are gone, which brings up the question, and um, I've been asking that of a number of uh, talkers around the country. Uh, how do you feel about uh, the potential of Ron DeSantis to to become president without the baggage of Trump? Um, do you think that um, even though Trump is, you know, galvanizing Republicans and certainly his own followers with what's going on with the uh, the aftermath of the Mar-a-Lago raid, uh, it may be weakening him when it comes to independents and certainly people who already don't like him. Who, who, and there are many. What do you think about the DeSantis prospect uh, in the midst of all of this Trump in the news stuff? You know, it's 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 an interesting thought. First of all, that, that is such a multi-layered question that the average person would have no idea. Now, I know, Michael, you pay attention to this stuff a whole lot closer because everything you brought up is right on. Trump brings a fair amount of baggage with him. There's a lot of negatives there as far as he's divisive and, you know, certain people don't like him. Um, it's interesting going back. Trump, has, as you pointed out, he has remade the Republican Party in his image. He gave them a roadmap on how to fight this Democrat machine, if you will which controls, for those who don't pay attention, understand the media, the Democrats control the media, you know, the lamestream media, the big three, and of course all the, you know, the cable networks, if you will. They control Hollywood with their narrative. They control academia. They control higher learning. They control virtually every, you know, a facet. So they've got a stronghold on the, on the, the messaging. So, the, and they've done that for a while. Now, what happened was Trump is the first Republican we have seen in modern times that was able to go in and as I like to say, he will get down in the mud with the Democrats and fight with them, and he's the only one that's been able to beat them, really, when it comes to this. Now, the problem is him fighting them, much like fighting any totalitarian regime, you find yourselves in very, very negative uh, dangerous times, if you will, especially considering the raid these days. The, the three-letter you know, Department of Justice, the FBI, the IRS, with the 87,000 new – <laughs> agents that are not going to go after you or me, Michael, for sure. Definitely, they're not going to go after their political enemies. They're only going to go after those millionaires and billionaires, which we, we all should know that's a lie for anyone who's paid attention to True the Vote, Catherine Engelbrandt, and what the Obama administration was doing with the IRS and, and what they've done. So that being said, they've, they've weaponized all of these agencies. Now, this happened before Trump came along, but clearly he has been on their target since even before he was elected with the falsification of FISA warrants to spy on Carter Page, him, George Papadopoulos, who I've interviewed these guys, and then you go look at the, the others that have been, unfortunately, on the wrong end of the FBI, even though they did nothing wrong. Uh, General Mike Flynn, uh, look at uh, you know, Steve Bannon now, Paul Manafort, just goes on and on and on. So you've got this level. The Democrats have understood that all they have to do is make it as nasty as possible. It's part of their plan. And by doing this, making it so nasty, they understand most of the soccer moms and the, the normal people who live their daily lives and got to go pick up the kids and just want to get away from this nonsense. 
they, they tune out. And when they tune out, we're dealing with low information voters that are making decisions that end up affecting the entire country. Uh, you mentioned the, the, the Trump aspect of uh, Liz Cheney getting, you know, she just got smoked out 37 you know, points plus losing to a, a relative unknown who's a Trump endorsed candidate. So now you've got that. What's happening in Alaska is going to be interesting, not only with uh, Sarah Palin being endorsed, but also Lisa Murkowski going up against Kelly Shabaka. That's going to be interesting because Shabaka was within three percentage points here in this primary. Now they're heading to the, you know, uh, the, in November to a runoff. It's not even a runoff. It's the election. But she had less than $2 million raised and took on a 20-year incumbent and got within three percentage points. Going to be fascinating to see how that plays out. That's radio talk show host Chris X of AM700 KSEV, the voice of Texas, located in Houston. Coming up next, the latest updates on COVID and monkeypox. You're plugged into the Michael Harrison Wrap. This report is brought to you by Genesis 2 Project, G2P. Recently, the Office of the Director of National Intelligence, the ODNI, released a preliminary report on possible threats posed by UFOs, now known as Unidentified Aerial Phenomena, UAP, and the progress the Department of Defense, UAP Task Force, has made in understanding any threats. Dr. J.C. Van Velkenberg is a former Los Alamos National Lab biophysicist who has been working with G2P to bring scientifically sound UAP data to the public. G2P has released the first scientifically authenticated documentation of UAPs, including images captured with infrared technology. Primo Forensics performed the digital forensic analysis. In tandem with the ODNI report, these data support the development of relevant processes, policies, technologies, and training for the U.S. military and government personnel upon encountering UAP. Visit Genesis2Project.com. Continuing now with the Michael Harrison Wrap as we discuss the hottest topics of the past week in the national conversation. COVID-19 and monkeypox remain in the national conversation week after week, and this week is no different. We're joined now by our medical correspondent in Las Vegas, Nevada, Dr. Dahlia Wax, whose daily radio shows heard nationally on the Genesis Communications Network. And uh, let's start with the CDC. Dr. Rochelle Walensky made a statement. What's your take on it? Well, it, it's one of the very few statements I've actually agreed that they made over the past couple of years, and I am very glad they did it. It, it took a lot of guts and, and chutzpah to be able to, to do that, and Dr. Rochelle Walensky um, finally said what many of us medical professionals have been echoing, that we have a huge distrust of the CDC and a lack of respect for it that it really should have. And as they, you know, the chaos ensued with COVID, CDC tried to stay apolitical, but didn't. And there were lots of um, 
uh, inaccurate, there was inaccurate information, there was flip-flopping, and many medical professionals that tried to clarify things were branded as providing misinformation. And so to have the CDC come out and say, look, we're going to do things better and we're going to learn from this is, I think, one of... Um, one of the most admirable things they could actually do because they have to regain the trust. And you and I have talked about this for two straight years where if something bigger and badder come our way and the CDC tries to make some recommendations, people aren't going to take them seriously. So they really do need this overhaul. It's going to be a tough job to do it, though, isn't it? I mean, obviously, uh, just recognizing the mistakes they've made, I guess that's the first step. But um, it makes you wonder, how did the CDC come up with misinformation. I could see them having information that where they say we don't know or it's not clear, but misinformation with all of the resources and the doctors and, and uh, information they have privilege to, it doesn't make any sense. How did that happen? You know, sadly, these government agencies are still a part of the government. And so they probably felt pressured by the narratives. Mm. And when many of us doctors said, look, get an N95 respirator, but a lot of what you're wearing might not be providing the protection and you have a false sense of security, the CDC should have said that because that was the truth. But they didn't. They just said wear a face covering. You know, same thing with mandates. You know, the narrative of as long as you get the shot, you're not going to get the vaccine, you're going to be good. Doctors were saying, no, you could still carry the virus. You could still expose others, you know. And, and, and so I think the CDC felt compelled that they had to follow the narrative. And, and they thought they were on the side of, you know, they had to pick one, the lesser of two evils. And sadly, we predicted it. They were on the worst side because if people think that they're being lied to or, or that they're just pushing a political narrative, they're going to they're gonna shoot themselves in the foot. And what they really had to do was be honest and say, look, guys, we don't know. We don't know if your bandana is really protecting you. We know the N95 respirators do, so try to get one of those. But, you know, we're not going to make a comment on mandates. We're not going to, you know, we're, we're, we're not going to get into the political game of things. We're doctors. We're public health um, officials. We're here to give you the latest and the greatest. We will update you guys as we go. You were ahead of the game you, with, with the uh, N95s. You were talking about that months, years ago. I, I mean, it, it seems we've been doing this forever now. So, yeah. so uh, it had to be very uncomfortable for you. It was, you know, and I really appreciate your platform and letting us talk, you know, and, and it's, it, was, it was very difficult because the, the brand and the threat of being told you're giving misinformation when we're actually trying to tell the truth about how these microbes work, it, was, it, it really put us in a difficult position. And some doctors, you know, had to make the choice of, you know what, let's just go with the flow so we don't tick anybody off or get our licenses taken away. And then you had other doctors that go, but I want to tell the patients the honest truth, you know, and, and, and so it was, and it's shouldn't have been like this. And and the CDC, I still commend them and I've still always defended them, you know, in the beginning that this was difficult and it was, you know, they had to grapple with a brand new disease with very little information about where it came from and data. But they could have done things like when they talked about the original death rate, you know, they could have made a spreadsheet of how many deaths were true, honest to God, COVID deaths, how many deaths might have been COVID suspected, you know, how many deaths were not COVID related. They could have given us that data. And instead it was, well, you know what, here's the count. 
And so I, I think there's a lot of things they can learn. And by the way, in science, we doctors are very forgiving because we know it's evolving, and we know that. We always make mistakes in medicine, and then we learn from these mistakes. So I, I think the doctors are going to be very uh, supportive of the CDC with this. I just don't know if the public is going to be very empathetic to them. What about the actual state of COVID? Uh, are things getting better? Um, are we still uh, under assault by these uh, various uh, variants? What do you think? Fantastic question. So they're telling us to watch the variant BA 4.6. It's a cross between the BA 4 and the BA 5, and the BA 5 kicked our butts. We're not out of the woods because China and many Asian countries are now grappling with high COVID cases. But what's starting to complicate matters a little bit is Australia is reporting that their flu season is almost back to pre-pandemic levels. And that tells us that COVID might be getting weaker but flu might have had a chance to get stronger. And we don't want co-infections with flu and COVID. We don't need flu. Uh, we, we don't need to, as we're trying to regenerate and, and you know, rep- get a reprieve from COVID, be dealing with flu that many of us have not been exposed to for a few years. So even though I'm not overly concerned about COVID, I'm very nervous about this next season because um, flu might be making a comeback and a, and a pretty bad one. And um, what what is your take at this point in um, the continuing monkeypox story? Now, this monkeypox is fascinating. It's not acting like the typical monkeypox we saw in Africa. And I have said for the longest time, we need to call it like an orthopox 2.0 or something different from what they've originally ca- called it. Um, because the rather than the lesions being all over, some people just get a couple pimples in, in their genital area and they think it's razor burn. And then they don't realize it till it's too late and they spread it. It also um, doesn't seem to have the textbook look or the textbook sometimes symptoms like some of the other monkeypox does. And so I, I think we need to be studying this in overdrive. We need to be open to all theories and and we need to get our vaccine pumped out and ready and anybody who feels like they're at high risk to be educated on how to avoid the risk, like close contact, sexual activity, um, uh, breathing uh, near somebody who has it, touching contaminated clothes or objects, and we need to try to get them vaccinated as quickly as possible. So uh, people who are now saying, oh, look, they lied to us about COVID, now they're lying to us about monkeypox, that's just more misinformation and um, emotional, politically-based reactions as opposed to something founded in, 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 in truth. Yes, exactly. And, you know, they, they, it's also stupidity because if somebody is going to say that we lied about COVID, you know, narrow it down. Maybe there was a lie about the bat soup. Maybe there was a lie about gain of function. There, you know, what exactly was the lie? That's radio talk show host and noted physician Dr. Dahlia Wax of the Genesis Communications Network. You're plugged into the Michael Harrison rap. We have time for one more, as the great Monty Python used to say, and now for something completely different. One of the most creative and original spoken word radio and podcast commentators in America, Claire Carter, founder of Good For You Radio, has written a piece of prose with poetic overtones, imploring both Donald Trump and Joe Biden not to run in 2024. Here she is now delivering it for the first time publicly on the Michael Harrison Rap. Respectfully, please do not run. A plea to Presidents Biden and Trump. 
Respectfully, President Trump, may we say, if you really love this country, you won't run again because you can't win and your opponent won't be Biden. There aren't enough ardent supporters to get you over the finish line. Take what happened in 2020 as a big sign. You had your time. You love the rallies and the roar of the crowds. Your ego absolutely knows no bounds. You've got mounds of energy that soars with the sound of the applause. You may want the glory, but it is folly to think you could get enough Dems and independents to vote for you. They didn't turn out for you in 2020 indeed. They won't be giving you the bump you need in 2024 to succeed. Obama was called No Drama Obama. You, on the other hand, are drama trauma Trump. Even people who voted for you experience Trump fatigue. You operate like you're in your own league, where only Trump knows best. Why listen to the rest? You didn't pass the final test. After you lost, you didn't fight for the two GOP Georgia Senate seats that could have guaranteed your legacy. You were a spoil sport, telling your supporters to stay home because you had a bone to pick with the state's governor and the mail-in vote, rather than devote your time to a much-needed victory for the GOP that might have also benefited the country. Nope, that wasn't a good call, but you had the gall to do it anyway. Take a bow for what you did get done. The Abraham Accords, the economy you could say you won, until COVID came along, and that led to your swan song. On January 6th, better to have celebrated all that you did than get behind a bid to change the election results and give people false hopes. Granted, without the lockdowns and all that mail-in balloting, there might have been a different outcome. But at some point, you needed to let it be for the sake of the country. Again, you will not be running against Biden, and there is no hiding that too many people won't vote for you no matter what to ever put you over the top. Let's acknowledge that what was done when you won wasn't right. Instead of working with you for the sake of the country, there's no excuse for those who tried to sabotage you. That too was a blight and one that needed to come to light for the truth to come out belatedly. But there are things you did to yourself, especially at the end that were wrong and no matter how much you long to be president again, you will not win. Whether you mean to be or not, you are a divider, not a uniter. Please think about what's good for the country. Give someone else with the leadership skills eight years to make their mark. Solving the complex problems we face is no lark. We would say the same to President Biden. Don't run again for the sake of the country. You're not up for the job. Afghanistan was not an extraordinary success as you called it. You left it a mess. Didn't listen to your own generals who told you to leave behind a small force to prevent a Taliban takeover, of course. And that's exactly what took place, but something you refused to face. The consequences of your action and inaction. The border crisis, inflation, the Russian invasion with its reported incineration of Ukrainians killed, and China working on world domination without your demanding a thorough explanation and examination of the origination of COVID-19. All 
under your watch. The American people deserve a leader with proven experience, but the system of selecting is broken. Don't you think voters have that sense? Anybody who wants social media exposure can get it if that's their intention. And clearly, they benefit from the media attention when they announce they will run. But when all is said and done, too many are debating at the same time. And who knows how good they are from rehearsed sound bites that are by far no indication that they have what it takes. It's not TV anchors with their own biases who should be asking the questions, but a panel of nonpartisan experts who have a better idea if an answer is clear, clearly thought out, without a doubt. So why don't you both search for the best people out there with real solutions for our serious problems and a proven ability to implement them if you dare? Research it and give us your list on how specifically they will get the job done starting from day one. Then, be willing to pass the torch to someone who well deserves the job based on their outstanding experience and qualifications. Hopefully, the voters will win out without a doubt, with a choice of at least two good options. And for that, a grateful nation will salute you and thank you too. That's Good For You Radio founder Claire Carter with an original piece titled, Respectfully, Please Do Not Run, a plea to Presidents Biden and Trump. The background performance of Hail to the Chief was delivered by the President's own, the United States Marine Band. You can hear more of Claire Carter's work at podjockey.com. And that about does it for this latest installment of the Michael Harrison Wrap, an overview of the national conversation, looking back at the week of Monday, August 15th, through Friday, August 19th, 2022. Looking ahead, I'm sure we'll have plenty to talk about next week, including the ever-lurking unknown factor, that unanticipated surprise story that can take the national conversation spinning off in a totally unexpected direction. We sure do live in interesting times. I can be reached via email at michaelatalkers.com. My podcast, The Michael Harrison Interview, can be heard at mhinterview.com. And if you want to stay in touch with the inner workings of the talk media industry, please visit talkers.com. The Michael Harrison Wrap. Our producer is Matthew B. Harrison. Thank you for listening. The Michael Harrison Wrap is a production of Good Phone Communications presented in association with Talk Media Network and Talkers Magazine. Copyright 2022. All rights reserved.